Good morning and welcome to episode 71 of the Jaguar Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logue, joined as always by my co-host John Shipley. Wow, John, what a difference eight days makes, huh? Yeah, Jack- it, uh... <laughs> they're back. They're back. <laughs> Jack- Trevor Lawrence is back, Calvin Ridley is back, Play Calling is back, everything and everyone is back, especially yeah. the Jaguars overall. I'm starting to think the San Francisco 49ers might be good. Mm. That that's that that's what my big takeaway from yesterday is. I'm starting to think they might be pretty good. Yeah, I'm starting to think that Kyle Shanahan off a of bye week with all of his guys fully healthy might be a little bit unfair for everyone or anyone who's facing them. Yeah, we were I not we. I was I was talking crazy entering that game and it very much like yesterday it was like for the people who think the Jaguars are already bad like team after that loss and a bad offense that's what a bad team looks like <laughs> you know that's what a like we talked about with the Steelers that's what a bad offense looks like you know mm-hmm. just absolute Mickey Mouse 60 minutes appear nothing else that <laughs> on it like in my time covering the Jags since 2019 that was the worst Titans team I've seen yeah I, feel I, I don't I, I'm not sure it's close either yeah I don't think so it's like yeah, they they just didn't really seem to have like the same juice they usually bring, and maybe it's because it was like never really close. And if it was close, like it was in last year's week eighteen, they would have kind of brought the juice. But yeah, yeah, I was expecting. I don't know. I like I always had the assumption that variable teams are always keep it close and always put up a fight, which isn't really untrue. But like at this point, like the roster has a lot less talent than it did, and like they're starting Will Levis, who's at this point not. Not better than Ryan Tannehill. Derrick Henry is like 38 years old, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not, I'm not sure he's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> he, he was well, we'll get to it, but I, I got I got some Will Levis takes. It was I don't know, man. Every time Trevor Lawrence has a horrible one of the worst performances of his career, they need to do something to make sure the Titans are on the schedule next. Because they they're gonna slump most of man. He he Last three games against them, he has, I believe, nine touchdowns overall, you know, six throwing, three rushing. He's turning over once in that time, and that one time was that really dumb Jamal Agnew trick play in the red zone at week 18, which counted as a fumble for him. Uh, I mean, he, he he's like lights out against, you know, the Titans. Uh, this week, you know, so far we still have Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts to play, but out of 27 quarterbacks, he's second in adjusted EPA per play. Uh, you know, he's seventh in success rate. Uh, you know, in terms of CPOE, he's second, only behind Brock, the Rock Purdy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, anytime he has a terrible game and the Titans are next on the schedule, that really feels like an instant like remedy. You know, <laughs> like whatever ails Trevor Lawrence, the Titans, the Titans can fix. I feel like not too long ago, I felt like he really had the Colts hand because he would, I feel like. I think Minshew completed like 19 of 20 passes, and then Lawrence came in and like was immediately doing the same stuff to Gus Bradley's defense, where he was like completing a really high mark of his passes and just being efficient in general. But now it's like kind of the same way for the Titans, and I mean, definitely a good thing to kind of like uh, be able to like handle two of your division opponents. But next week against the Texans will obviously be the biggest test all of a sudden. Even though at the beginning of the season, I definitely would have said the Titans and the Colts are like the biggest competitors to the Jaguars for the AFC South, at least for this season. Uh, it's pretty obviously the Texans at this point. It like we, we talked about this two week stretch being the most important and it is, you know, for the division, but it was very funny how like everybody in Jacksonville built up this Titans game as such a huge game, you know, such a, you know, important test. And then like 10 minutes into it, they're like, Oh man, these guys stink. <laughs> hey, that's, it's, this is nothing, you know? So it's, no. Definitely, you know, next weekend. It 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 uh it was cool. Like the Jaguars players were like finding out in the locker room, like during interviews that Houston won. They're like, I, like we'd ask them about the text, and they're like, "Did they win today?" And you know, it, it definitely seems like they are, you know, prime prime for that game. I, I wanted to ask you before we get into the offense. Uh, Evan Ingram had an interesting, you know, quote yesterday. He basically said he feels like they're a better team when their backs against a wall, when they feel like they have to play you know, for something like to prove like, like, the, like yesterday they had to, you know, recover from last week's game, obviously a bunch of negativity being thrown at them. 
Is there something to that you think? Like they literally just play – it seems like it to me. They literally play better when people are not counting them in, like when people aren't like talking about them like the next big team because twice this year when they've gotten that hype, you know, first three weeks of the season and then against San Francisco, they've just completely fallen on their faces. And then once they face some adversity and they get that out, they literally play better. And if the players are thinking they play better with their backs against the wall, like is that an actual like thing you think or is that just player speak? I don't know. I was kind of thinking it was just player speak because it's like in the second half against San Francisco, like everyone was counting them out and like did they do anything then? I mean, I guess at that point, like it's like that wasn't even really a ball game, but like They've gone into the red zone plenty of times, like tr- with a like losing the game and like need to put some points up, and then they like fumble the ball away. So it's like you were like you face adversity like within these games that you lose, and then you like keep shooting yourself in the foot. So it's like it's nice that you then like come back and rebound the next game. But it's like I don't know. And like obviously, like they did like face adversity like midway through one game during the playoff game last year against the Chargers. So they like they've shown they can do like that style before, but I feel like it's like mostly player speak where it's like I don't know. It's hard to judge because I feel like it's almost like the hot hand in basketball where it's like a confidence. Yeah. There's not an actual way to measure it. So it's like like the nerds and scientists and all <laughs> nerds and scientists will say that like the hot hand doesn't exist in basketball. But then like, if you ask like most people who have played basketball, I think they would say like, <laughs> yeah, like a thing of which no nerds have done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So like the point I'm trying to make is that like, I'm sitting here from like my bedroom saying that I don't think it's like a real thing, but like, yeah, maybe like, Evan Ingram said it himself, so maybe we should be believing him. Like, if the players actually can, like, feel it, even if, uh, like, I'm sitting here and saying, like, I don't really buy it. Like, if they buy it, that's what matters. So, I, I think the big storyline from yesterday is obviously Trevor having a big four-touchdown day. I thought he was really good as a passer. Like, he underthrew a pass as A. Jones while getting hit. Results in DPI, not a big deal. I thought the deep shot to Ingram was, like, maybe a little bit underthrown, but still should have been caught. Yeah. Otherwise, I thought he was like terrific, you know, like basically flawless. Calvin Ridley had his best game as a Jaguar, his first two touchdown game. First time he scored since week four. First time he scored in Jacksonville. Had his third 100 yard game of the season. I guess I, I know I tweeted it out and I'll pull it up real quick, but his splits with and without Zay Jones infuriate me. Like it, it, it shouldn't make sense. Like th- this is not Jerry Rice on the other side of the field, you know? Pull it up right now. Okay. So Calvin Ridley has three 100 yard games this year, week one, week five, and this week. All of came in weeks that Zay Jones plays. Calvin Ridley this year in four games that Zay Jones has played 24 catches, 358 yards, three touchdowns. Like you did that as like a season long, like space. <laughs> He's having the year everybody thought, you know. Calvin Ridley in the seven games that Zay Jones hasn't played, 18 catches. <laughs> what? <laughs> 216 yards and one touchdown. Like it, it, and most of those, by the way, came against Pittsburgh when he had like six catches and 81 yards. Like it, it makes absolutely, you know, zero sense to me whatsoever. But I, uh, from your vantage point yesterday, you know, in, in the press box, how much of a difference did that make? Like I already had somebody tweet at me and they were like, so much for your narrative that adding Zay wouldn't fix all the offenses ailments. And I said, I was going to ask you which one of Zay's 20 yards yesterday were your favorite. But <laughs> my personal belief after what, like seeing Ridley's usage yesterday is that the offense is just too static when Zay's out because they don't have another, like it's a three receiver like room and they literally have to plant Ridley on the outside. Wednesday's out and then they like Jamal Agnew basically is the guy that they move around outside inside etc when Zay plays he does like the Calvin role for most of this year he's playing on the outside he's just doing downfield stuff basically and yesterday you saw Calvin line up in the slot more you know the PFF's data isn't out yet but I'd assume yesterday was like his highest slot percentage of the season you saw a lot more tight splits from him you know I think both his touchdowns 
game from like condensed formations where he was lined up either inside or like extremely tight with Christian Kirk. Like you just saw him use more versatility, you know. So I, it, to me, like it's clear that yeah, having Zay helps in the fact that defenses can't just focus on Ridley because they don't care about covering Jamal Agnew and Tim Jones. But yesterday, hammered home the point to me that the big difference is like to me, Zay helps them utilize Ridley better because they could do more with him instead of just literally planning him on the outside and asking him to run go routes all game. Yeah. My like oversimplification at first was like for the Zay Jones effect was just that like Ridley was kind of like forced to be running um, a couple of like decoy routes just like so that the Jags would have someone to be able to like threaten the top of the defense to then like open up stuff for like other guys uh, underneath and like, you want really to be the guy that you open stuff up for, but at the same time, like no one's opening stuff up for him. So then they kind of like had to have him open up stuff for other guys just because of like the way the personnel shaked out after like went with Zay Jones out of the lineup. So I, I kind of thought that like Zay Jones, even if he had like zero targets and no production, that like if he was like started running those decoy routes and like just like, um, and he was kind of, like taking the top off of defenses so that Ridley could find a little bit more work underneath. I thought that was kind of like the biggest solution. But honestly, I think like Ridley's big game has more to do with Trevor Lawrence's knee than Zay Jones's knee. Just because like like we talked about it uh, on the preview pod about how like coaches and players like both brought it up last week and like how we were like, oh maybe that knee is like should be a little bit more of a talking point than like it was during the bye week at least. And like I mean, everything they kind of talked about last week, we saw on Sunday, like with the, like Lawrence was used in the red zone as a rusher a lot, but then also there was a ton of play action, um, like some stuff with the, like him rolling out, but then a lot of just also like play action and staying in the pocket. And so I think like the play action had a bigger effect more than anything else, just because like the Jags were in a positive game script that so Titans were expecting a run and or expecting a lot of runs. And so the Jaguars were able to kind of like pass over their heads. And that's something that they were not able to do at all last week against the Niners. And that was something that we talked about on our preview show that the Niners have been struggling with during like their three game losing streak was that they were like susceptible to inside rushing. And then like when they would try to fix that and they could get beat with play action, like over the top of their linebackers. That was also with Trey Greenlaw out for a game or two, but so we didn't see that at all. And then now with positive game scripts, even though like Jacksonville's rushing game was like not bad, but de- like not good efficiency wise um, against who did they just play? The Titans. The Titans. Yeah, I'm sorry, my mind. Nine eighteen in the morning, still waking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think play action had a big deal because then like it like just created more space because the Titans were expecting run, but then also like I think there's certain like route concepts and like, yeah. designs within play action that like do a better job of freeing up Ridley than just like traditional drop back stuff. Yeah. It, it was very funny that like the week that Mike Florio, you know, do a fit about the Joe Burrow injury thing that Trevor Lawrence late in the week gets added to the injury report literally because Doug Peterson said like on like Wednesday that they haven't done as much movement stuff with him because of his knee and then you see him, like the most movement he's had, like basically all season. Like, like they called several design runs for him, especially in the red zone. Like the first one, I was like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, <laughs> and it worked. It yeah. worked. And I, the nerds won't want to hear this. I, I, I know this much. Yeah, but there's something to like. You don't even have to run the ball efficiently to set up play action, but you still have to have the threat to run and. Both Doug and Trevor yesterday said, like, a big part of the win was press sticking with the run. He didn't do that against San Francisco. Like, I, I think a big thing, court, like, a lot of coordinators do is, and, like, shit, I, I mean, I, I do it with 10-year-olds. Like, if the run isn't working after a couple of plays, you're like, okay, let's let's throw, throw the running game out completely. It's not <laughs> going to work. But you have to keep at it. You know, like, you, you, you can't be obnoxious about it, obviously. But you have to at least try to keep the defense on its toes and not be so one-dimensional. And I thought they did a good job of that yesterday. And I also thought 
that they found they finally found the right mix at running back. You know, ETN fourteen carries, Deonis Johnson seven carries. Tank Bigsby had one carry before you know he went in the game late. I I I I think that's the right mix. You know, like they have been riding ETN so hard in the first half of the season that whenever ETN gets a water break, I get tweets asking me if he's hurt. <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> like no, this is normal. He's supposed yeah. to be off the field sometimes, you know, and. I thought I thought Johnson was impressive. I know he didn't have big rushing numbers, but his catch and run on that fourth down, which I also thought was maybe Lawrence's best play of the day, like just like just purely instinctual. And I, he faked the hell out of me. I like I, I did not think that he threw the ball. I thought he was like trying to pump fake and run with it. But I I think that was a big thing too. Is you know they one stuck with the run, and two it's easier to stick with the run when you're not you know having slamming Travis Etienne into Jeffrey Simmons, you know, 20 times. It's a lot easier to stick with the run when you're going with, like, a platoon, you know, a rotation instead of just one guy. Yeah, for sure. Like, I that wasn't really, I think, one of the takeaways I had from the game, so I'm glad that you took it away, is that, like, Tank Etienne – or Tank Etienne. <laughs> Not Tank. <laughs> Not Tank. <laughs> Now this ETN definitely like shouldn't be anywhere close to leading the league in carries, even though you could definitely dance on the argument that you won during the summer about ETN being a bigger player than Tank and having a better, better workload case, but Tank's still bigger. <laughs> Tank's still bigger. I'm not crazy. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Do you look at them? <laughs> what are you talking about? Tank is significantly bigger. I don't know, man. Maybe it's just that like ETN is taller, and that's like making a big difference for me. But are, are you are you looking at the Florida ETN? No, I'm thinking about Travis. Not mm-hmm. I don't know. You called him Tank a minute ago. You you don't even remember who they played yesterday. I'm starting to think maybe you're Gene, and you're just interviewing yeah. the wrong player completely. <laughs> anyway, but, yeah, but, I think it was nice to see that uh, Dearness got going just because, like, I mean, they tried using Tank, and then. He had a like pretty bad offsides on a punt return, and then like either the very next play or two plays after that was the DeAndre Hopkins touchdown. Um, I feel like he might have had like a miscue on offense too, but maybe it was just that special teams penalty. But then it was nice to see that he got that fourth down run in was it the fourth quarter? Maybe it was the third. The uh, hammer. Yeah, it's gave, gave him a little confidence. Pick, picked up two or three yards on a fourth and one. So that was cool. But yeah, Dionis getting seven carries was nice to see, especially in a blowout. Because like that's what I was expecting from the Falcons game, especially, and then also the Colts win, the second Colts win, especially. It was like one, like now that you have like a two possession lead, like let's see like a little bit of Dionis. Like yeah. we don't need to run Travis ten times in the fourth quarter. Like, like Trap, like Etienne, as good as he shouldn't be averaging twenty carries a game. Like, like he shouldn't be up there with McCaffrey in terms like, and that's not a knock on his talent or anything. It's just like that. that McCaffrey's a special breed, you know. Like that, it's not normal to be <laughs> utilized like that. It's it's yeah. not. And the fact that ETN has been relatively healthy this entire season is a big testament to him because it's it's wild. And I, I also think, you know, the offensive line got absolutely killed over the last week, which you know deservedly so. They were really bad against the 49ers. but again, 49ers. Javon Hargrave, you know, Arik Armstead, Nick Bosa, Chase Young. I mean, that, that's a crazy front four. I thought the Titans front would do better. Like, Jeffrey Simmons dominated against the run. I thought they would do more in terms of pass rush. You could even tell the Titans are, like, trying to manufacture pass rush. It was, like, some simulated pressures. Like, they had Arden Key off ball, uh, like, a couple times and, like, blitzing. And the Titans just weren't getting homes. I, I whipped on that one. I thought the Jaguars' offensive line would struggle. And I don't know. Maybe I'd have to go back and look, see how much 12 and 13 personnel they did, how much Max Protected did. But it didn't feel like it was like a lot of one and two man rounds. Like it, like a yeah. lot of play action, but it felt like, like they were spreading the field out, you know? And like Ingram literally said after the game, he was like, Yeah, when I was looking at the iPad, I, Trevor was just chilling back there. <laughs> like it, like it was noticeable, like the amount of time that he had in the pocket. And, you can say this about literally probably every quarterback except maybe Patrick Mahomes, but I mean, shocker, Trevor Lawrence is a different quarterback when he's clean than when he's under pressure. Mm-hmm. Even like a little bit of pressure versus a lot of pressure. Like the second uh, Ridley touchdown where he like stepped up a little bit in the pocket and then like, and then got the pass off. Like 
he can deal with that. But then, like, it's another thing when, like, you got four guys just, like, collapsing the pocket and just have nowhere to go, especially on, like, that not yet 100% knee. So, yeah, I'm with you. But, yeah, if, if, like, I think it'll, like, now that he's getting healthier, now that, like, Walker is getting healthier, now that Ezra is getting, like, more in the mix, like, the offensive line will – like, well, won't be close to perfect, but at the same time, like, I feel like the pressures that they allow will more be, like, one guy barely losing a pressure, and then Trevor can kind of, like, help take care of that and, like, clean that up, kind of like how we did last year. And, like, I mean, I mean, like, last year, his whole career up until this year, it felt like he was really good at, like, avoiding pressure and, like, for sure. avoiding acts pretty much and, like, turning pressure into – I mean, maybe not a completion, but not a sack either. And he's been worse this year because of, like, all the factors I just outlined. So, I, I have a take. We'll see. I have, I have a take. Okay, go ahead. I, maybe he's just really good at avoiding edge pressure because he did that a couple times yesterday and not mm-hmm. so good at avoiding interior pressure because all the plays where he looked like a doofus against the 49ers were guys coming up the middle. Yeah, I think that's true. I feel like we said that at some point last year. We, like – we were like, yeah, I think Trevor is like pretty godly almost about like beating pressure on the edge, but then like the interior is really where you really need to get him. But then we were like, oh, but that's like kind of true for every elite quarterback. Like, yeah, like with Tom Brady, it was always like you got to like win with four, but especially like in the interior because like he wasn't fast, obviously, but his pocket presence was insanely good. So it. Yeah, it's like that for every quarterback. It, it's funny, like, seeing the reactions being, like, people saying Trevor is back when he's very much the exact same player that he was against the 49ers. You know, like, matchups matter. Like, they just do. And my big takeaway from yesterday is the Jaguars should pray if they go on a playoff run, it doesn't end with a game against the 49ers. That, that, was, that was my biggest offensive takeaway for them is that the offense, it's not broken per se. You know, it can still put some stuff together, but. When you when they're playing at an elite defensive front, it, right? It, I was gonna say like the Niners or the Eagles. If they, I mean, it's not like the Cowboys are much better. They don't have as many like interior guys that are good as the Niners or the Eagles. But like all three of those like NFC juggernauts have some stacked pass so, rushes. So basically, the best potential Super Bowl matchup for the Jaguars would be the Lions, Absolutely. which would be two That's weeks. Right. Of Hutchinson and Walker, and that one oh. single game would decide who is the better pick. That's the real bulky we, ball. That's, know, that's the real one. We all know the league would never allow a Detroit Jacksonville Super Bowl. <laughs> Maybe one of them can sneak in, but there's no way both of them are getting in. And nor should they. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you. <laughs> uh, got, you got anything else on the offense? Um, no. Felt nice to be vindicated about or validated about Calvin Ridley finally. It it did. Hey, you called it. It was a Calvin Ridley week. You you've been calling it for ten weeks now, but it was nonetheless a Calvin you Ridley week. You'll be right eventually. <laughs> I'm a so one of my one of my best friends, like from high school. He's a you know giant Lions fan. He. Took Ridley, he told me, in all three fantasy leagues he's in this year. And every single week, Ridley has done bad. He's, one, texted me saying, what happened to Cardio Ridley? And then, two, blamed me specifically for him drafting him. <laughs> like, you know, you told me he was going to be great and all that. So I told him this week, I was like, do not play him by any means this week. Bench him because I don't want to wear the blame anymore. And he benched him for DeAndre Swift. <laughs> He went off, and oh, right, he was he was distraught. But I, oh. I... <laughs> see, right. I, when I get a take wrong, I stick with the take. And the I thing is, and I just keep hammering it home until I'm right. I don't ever get off of it. The thing <laughs> is, when he's complained about Ridley, I've always said, "Well, if you listen to the Jaguar Report podcast, you would know we said don't play him this week, and we definitely said this week. You know, yeah, he'll probably have a." He'll probably have a decent game, but I was still was like, no, don't you dare play him because if he does bad and you come back to me, I, I will be hell to pay. So it it worked out good. Ridley is a uh, Ridley is back. Ridley's back. All right, now we've full, officially covered the offense. That's right. All right, we're <laughs> gonna cut for a break and be right back. All right, guys, 
I'll say it. Mm. Will Levis isn't a top ten quarterback. John, are you sure Dude. about that? Are, are we recording right now? The people were having the most asinine takes after his first few starts, one of which was a really bad offensive game against the Steelers, <laughs> which I didn't even get. Like, like I, I retweeted it yesterday. I know it came from a Titans reporter, so obviously it's biased, but he, like, asked a question. He was like, rank the AFC quarterbacks for the next couple of years. And the amount of Levis over Lawrence answers, like, from their fan base was pure coop. The amount of people, Titans fans, I've seen, like, in the replies of other tweets saying, yeah, yes, they sucked, but at least Levis flashed. And I'm like, no, no, he did not. You yeah. can't say that. He absolutely did not. Levis was the worst quarterback they've played this year, is my take. And that counts Kenny, two gloves picket, and Desmond Ritter. Like, it, it, Bryce Young will probably be worse than Levis, but so far to me, Levis is the worst quarterback the Jaguars have played. And they get him again in week 18. Like, right. they should be playing Tannehill. <laughs> I, I, I don't get what he's doing out there. Yeah, I like originally felt bad for him because I was like Tennessee's offensive line is like in shambles, and then like DeAndre Hopkins is kind of nice, but obviously he's at the end of his prime or already out of his prime. And then like same probably applies to Derrick Henry. So I was just like feeling it for Levis, like he's like not really didn't really get placed in that great of a spot. But then like after watching him on Sunday, like none of that is untrue. But like he like didn't do anything to like help himself for the team out either like he didn't catch a shotgun snap (laughs) like and like flashes are harder to show when you're like in a bad environment but like he didn't show any like the deandre hopkins touchdown was nice but like it was like it was a trick play too like oh yeah that too but like i don't know so 58 percent of his yard of his passing yardage came on the deandre hopkins play and then the chris moore volleyball that he threw that Monterey Brown wasn't able to find in the air. 58% of his yards. Like, it, like you could tell, like, yeah, I'm with you. A lot of it was their offensive lines really bad, but, like, they weren't trusting him to do, like, even the simplest of things. Like, it, every obvious passing down was just green. And yeah. he almost threw, like, three picks. One thing I'll give him is he was pretty good at avoiding sacks, I guess. Like, there were a couple different sacks that he got out of. Yeah. Definitely one of them, like the chase on one, should have been intentional grounding, I think. But for all the people saying, you know, the entire AFC South found their franchise quarterbacks, I would pull back the reins on that one a little bit. The Texans have the Colts, super small sample size. It's probably too small for anybody to say definitively. But I think Richardson at least had some super encouraging flashes. Like mm-hmm. the advanced metrics, you know, loved them. He was re- those are flashes. Yeah, exactly. Levis, like we talked about it coming into the week. Like he had the highest air yards than any quarterback since he had started, but he's been among the lowest in EPA per play and success rate. And you know, we we, we saw it yesterday. You know, he, he it was it was brutal. And unfortunately, uh EPA per play, success rate, et cetera, doesn't take into account Mickey Mouse plays, uh, Mickey Mouse plays, you know, like the DeAndre Hopkins thing and the Chris Moore play alone have him as not one of the worst graded quarterbacks this week. But I, I thought he was putrid. And it was one of my big, like my main takeaways, my observations article is that the Jaguars shouldn't care about Will Levis like at all right now. Like they should care about CJ Stroud. Like he's a dude, like he is very much arrived. Will Levis, he's, well, we'll see what happens with him, but I, I at this point in time, nobody should care that he is the Titans starting quarterback. Yeah, I think that's a good take. My hot take for this week is that Joe Flacco is going to have the third best game of any opposing quarterback left on Jacksonville's schedule because they got Stroud next week. They got Lamar Jackson in the Ravens in week 15. Um, so I'm saying Joe Flacco is going to have the third best passing yardage. Not Baker? Yeah, not Baker. Not not Jake Browning? Not Jake Browning. Not Will um, Bryce Young hit 150? Um, are there any other guys? No, that's it. Bryce but, Young, number one overall pick. Yeah, I said not Bryce Young. <laughs> <laughs> As, like, Stefanski loves to do the thing that the Jags did last week where it's like if he has got a positive game script and the opposing defense is expecting a run, then, like, he'll, like, spam play action and get, like, all these, like, easy completions. And so I think, like, Joe Flacco, if if the Cleveland game, like, happens to stay anywhere close, then, like, 
obviously the Jags are going to key on key in on Cleveland's good rushing game. And so I think like Joe Flacco could get more yards than a Bryce Young or a Will Levis or et cetera, et cetera. I agree with that. He's set up in like a better scheme with a better defense. And those other quarterbacks is more so to take than anything about him. I think Levis had 26 net passing yards in the first half. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, that, like we talked about with Caldwell like earlier this year. Like he's done well this year against bad quarterbacks, which is something they did well down the stretch last year ish. Like they didn't do as good against Josh Dobbs, who I still contend isn't actually a relevant quarterback. But <laughs> I, I feel like this year they've been much better against the bad quarterbacks than they were last year. Like they've they've consistently this year dunked on the you know the weaker competition, which is right. what you want to see and. So, like, in week three, they played a rookie quarterback, a bad offensive line since it was all backups, and they didn't disrupt the offense at all. This week, obviously, the rookie quarterback is much worse than it was in week three, but this time they were able to, you know, disrupt things. So I think that's at least good to see is that their defense can be counted on against, you know, lesser opponents, like lesser units, which is maybe not something I think you've always been able to say. Yeah, they, like, showed some flashes of it last year when they had, like, the second season, second half of the season stretch, and they played some pretty brutal quarterbacks. But even then, it was like, all right, you're, like, kind of getting the job done. But now, as you said, they're, like, actually dunking on the bad quarterbacks. So that's that's always a good thing to see. Derrick Henry. Yeah. Are his days of terrorizing Jacksonville over? Devin Lloyd met him in the hole yesterday and took him down. With that quarterback and that offensive line, then yeah, maybe. He had negative .35 expected points added per play on early rushes on Sunday. (laughs) Which was, for context, Miles Sanders ranks last in the league with negative .32 EPA per play (laughs) on all downs. Bless you. I forgot to mute myself that time. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Like the part of the reason that like Will Levis didn't really look great and they like they threw a lot of third down screens is that they just got nothing going on early downs with Derrick Henry. He had they had a 27% success rate too on early down rushes. Like, I don't know what like their average third down distance to go was, but I can imagine it it was pretty high. It it felt like a lot of third and sevens, third and eights, stuff like that. Like, I can't remember a single like Henry run from the game. Like, you know, he normally has at least one run, like even in games where he doesn't pop off. Like in their week 18 last year, I remember him barreling at Darius Williams at full speed. I remember that run. If you told me he didn't play yesterday, I believe you. Like Devin, like I said, Devin Lloyd met him in the hole and put him in the ground. And that, to me, I was like, okay, big play for Lloyd. But I was also like, maybe a little symbolic of where, you know, Henry's at, especially in terms of, you know, facing the Jaguars because they've, you know, since, you know, Peterson and Mike Caldwell got here, Jags, one, are obviously 3-0 and against the Titans. But, two, Henry hasn't had a signature performance against, you know, this regime, like, at all. And a part of that is obviously game script. Like, the Jaguars put up a lot of points in their first meeting last year. You know, this year the Jaguars could obviously sell out against the run because they didn't have a quarterback. But, I don't know, I, I think the days of Henry, you know, putting the Jaguars on Sports Center are probably over. Yeah, well, I'm interested to see like how long he kind of sticks around there and whether he tries to find greener pastures. But yeah, it's almost sad because like obviously like he's been bad news for the Jags organization for a long time, but he's just such a good player that's kind of tough seeing someone so good kind of like fall out of his prime. But again, obviously Jags fans probably don't really care. Um, yeah. Here's my question for you when it comes to defense. Obviously, things get tougher, you know, as you go on. Devon Hamilton, healthy scratch yesterday. Mm-hmm. Doug said after the game that he said he wants him to be, like, in the right shape mentally and physically, etc. Harped on how much time he's missed, etc. How big of a storyline should that be moving forward? Because, I'm sorry, I, I feel gaslit. I kept being told we like our pass rush because we're getting Devon Hamilton and Dewan Smoot back. We like our pass rush because we're getting Devon Hamilton and Dewan Smoot back. Mm. We like our pass rush because we're getting Devon Hamilton. And then you don't have him back. So, uh, 
you, you, it's like I'm being fed a crap sandwich and being told that like it's the only thing to eat. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a kid or a columnist. Like I'm not gonna be like sold this lie. Yeah. So what I told Mia was that like if this happens for like multiple weeks, then like my concern levels will like spike all the way up. But like for this week, I kind of feel like it's like like Dan or Angelo Blackson was a healthy scratch last week, and then this week Angelo Blackson played. And Devon Hamilton didn't. So I think like the coaching staff just like genuinely thought they were going to get better reps out of Blackson than Hamilton. And so like for this week, like, okay, sure. Like if you think that like Ham is still like working his way back and could like take an off week, then like, okay, I want to cut you a little slack. But like if the same thing happens next week, then like I think all the alarm bells should be going off. Doug said it'd be a week to week thing. He said a week to week decision. I don't know. It's also like, it's tough because like, we don't know. We don't have like full knowledge of like what his original injury was. So like, I get like, I understand that the point you're trying to make is that like the Jaguars have like said stuff and like now what, but like, I just, it's hard for me to like understand how to interpret it, interpret it. since I don't know a lot about the original injury. Kind of injury where like he could like all of a sudden have a setback. I just feel incredibly gaslit. I, I, I just, I like, I feel personally like gaslit. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, do you, you think they were being like serious though? Yeah, they were one hundred percent. No, I don't think they were one hundred percent being serious. They, they thought the Von Hamilton, the Juan Smooth, is going to make the pass rush improve at uh, one million percent. One million percent, they thought that. Hamilton probably had like five quarterback hits in his career. Up until the season, which he yeah, yeah it's stupid. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, to bring it to the linebackers on your Devin Lloyd point, I kind of think the Jags defense just like goes with their linebackers, however the, their linebackers yeah. play. Because I think for pretty much every defense, like the pass rush and the secondary, or just like the defensive line in the secondary, will like make some splash plays or not make some splash plays. And either way, like the performances of those two units tend to sway the outcome of games. But for the Jaguars, I feel like it's their linebacker unit just because, I mean, it's sort of a little bit of recency bias because they played really well against the Titans and played not very well against the Niners. And again, like Shanahan loves to cook up opposing linebackers and he had an extra week to prepare. For so sure. I'll cut them a little bit of slack for that. But like – Foye was all over the place. Like you said, Devin Lloyd was all over the place on the run game too. Like, I think Foye, I think Josh Allen is pretty obviously the best player on the defense, but I think Foye is like the most important or the most valuable. I think you'd see a bigger drop-off in the defensive performance if you went from uh, like Foye to Chad Numa than Josh Allen to Caleb on Jason. Mm, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I still feel like Josh Allen's more important. Yeah, you're probably right, but it's got to be but, a hot team, right? But, Josh Allen has a sprained ankle, and you smooth or chase aren't in there for the next two weeks. Didn't get back to me on <laughs> who's more important. Then again, though, we haven't really seen their offense with um, – you know, without Foyer, like at like their defense without Foyer, like at all in the last two years. I think the only snaps he's missed are like against the Texans in week three when they pulled everybody. Yeah. I'm just like impressed that like Tyson has been out and like Cisco, I feel like I didn't really like he's kind of like cooled down after starting the season super hot. And so uh I've just been like impressed with the Jaguars defense, or I guess I was just impressed with the Jaguars defense on Sunday that they like had such a dominant performance, but then like other than Foyer, like I feel like he was the only one who had like an individual incredible performance. Yeah. So just like the fact that like there's generally speaking, like not really any standout performances, but then as a team or as a unit, they like played lights out, I think is pretty impressive. And I feel like Foyer is just like the glue that kind of holds all that together. I I I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. He he absolutely is and yeah, like you said, like 
probably like when he has a good game, the defense is having a good game. Like he had a great game yesterday. I'd agree with you. Like the big thing Shanahan does well is like toying with linebackers. Like it's not even like just like the plays, like designed to throw at them, but all the misdirections, you know, play action, everything like that. Like before he even said after game, like after 49ers game, he's like, we expect him to do all that, but it still slowed us down. And I'm not sure there's even an answer to that, which I think I asked this after week three, but why doesn't everybody just run that offense? Because no one can teach it. Like, because Shanahan's like a genius. Like, the the Patriots last year when they had Patricia and um, Joe Judge being their offensive coordinators for Mac Jones, like, they tried to implement the Kyle Shanahan offense, and then it was terrible because, like, no one knew how to teach it. And so, like, it's just teaching it is a lot easier said than done. Like, I don't know, because it's like if you like create something. I, I don't know where I'm going with this analogy, but like how Shanahan and like and his dad are like basically like the creators of that system, and so like they know the ins and outs of it, and so like they understand like how and where to add wrinkles and the effect that makes on like every single detail, and like just not everyone has that knowledge. It's that that's that's a fair point, and. Uh, that's the big thing I'm interested in this week is going back and watching Jaguars versus Houston in week three and seeing how much like that offense and like the eye candy really messes the defense. It, it's very telling about the Titans offense that about halfway through talking about them that, that we're, we're now talking about Kyle Shanahan, but <laughs> not, nonetheless, there, there's just nothing, nothing there for Titans offense. I, yeah. I, I, the one thing I was, maybe a bit surprised by when it came to Jaguars defense personnel wise though, was that Buster Brown got the start and I think played the entire game over Greg Jr. Mm-hmm. I, my early thought is maybe it's because he actually has starting experience because of the two games earlier this year. and Greg Jr. just hasn't started, but I don't get why Greg Jr. is your top backup a week before and Buster is a healthy scratch. And then, because of an injury, Buster leaps him on the death chart. Like, I, I don't really get the rhyme and reason with that one. I don't get it. Maybe Buster had a better week of practice, or I assume it was just something behind closed doors. But, yeah, because, like, I would have thought that – like, I was thinking about the run game more than the pass game in terms of, like, Jacksonville's corners entering this game. And just based on, like, their frames, I would have thought that Greg Jr. would give you a little bit better run support than Buster Brown just because – Brown is pretty skinny. Um, but, yeah, Buster played the whole game. I Like, I didn't notice Gregory Jr. playing at all. Also didn't notice any of those uh, three safety sets at all. So. Yeah, the only time I noticed Wingard was him yelling at Tank Bigsby on the sideline. And <laughs> you know, somebody put after he was offside. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I probably throw, that, throw those out. Because yesterday when I saw, like, the Jaguars, like, the Titans load up the box on the first drive, and I saw the Jaguars out in base. I was like, yes, that's what you're supposed to do. Like, mm-hmm. the three safety is not the answer for stopping the run. I don't care how many tackles in the box Wingard makes. Like, stick in base. It's it's, it's what their defense is best at. You know, like I, I, I would imagine not having the data in front of me, their success rate in base versus any other formation is, like, wildly different. Just, like, wildly better? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and cut for a break because I know for a fact there isn't anything else to talk about about the Titans <laughs> offense. We'll be right back with our game balls. Hey, special teams game ball. Get it together. All right? <laughs> get, get it together. All right? Okay. We'll be right back. Don't don't scoff at me like you haven't forgotten a special teams game ball like 90% of the season. Oh, no. Don't worry. I forgot one. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, I'll go ahead and start. Offensive game ball. I'm going to give it the sure word, Press Taylor. Honestly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He's I thought done. he called it. He calls from you this year, man. <laughs> I'm going to present him with it personally. Players who, like, just, like, go in and, like, don't mess up. But, anyway, go on. Yeah, no, 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 no. Giving a game ball to a coordinator is much different than uh, Elijah Cooks gets a game ball for making his NFL debut and drinking some Gatorade on the sideline. That's, <laughs> that's much different. That's much different. I, I thought Press called his best game of the season. One, because I thought 
like just philosophy wise, he did much better sticking with the run to set up the pass. I thought he protected the offensive line well. I thought he used Trevor well. The usage of Ridley was obviously, you know, great. I, I, after a week of everybody like putting Press's picture on a pinata and beating the hell out of it online, <laughs> I thought it was a nice little redemption game for him. I, I was impressed by Press yesterday. Impressed by yeah, Press. Yeah, I, mean, I was too. I like sticking to the run game, all of the play action plays. Like, it felt like it felt like all the play action stops are like called at the perfect time. They picked up so many yeah. chunks off of play action. Um, so I'm with you. I'm, I'll go Trevor Lawrence. It was had to be one of the best games of his career, efficiency wise. I know he had like 23 total expected points added, and like on Arby's DM.com, where they have like the advanced box score. Just like all those advanced stats are green for being like way above median. Um, he also became the third youngest quarterback in NFL history to pass 10,000 career passing yards, which is great. Give me the youngest. Jameis Winston. That's and- right. So, it's crazy. I think, I think Trevor's like 30th or 40th in terms of like fastest quarterbacks to get to 10,000 yards in terms of like number of NFL games played, but just in terms of like how old the player is, Trevor's the third youngest in league history to get to 10,000. So cool stat and a good reminder of like just how young he is and like how much farther we have to go. It, only the fourth Jaguar quarterback to do it behind Bortles, Brudel, and Garrard. How did Leftwich not hit 10,000? Yeah, dude, I don't know. I think he that, was only that's like, like three seasons. Was yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then Trevor, I mean, paid off my over 1.5 touchdowns best bet, thankfully. Uh, but, like, four total touchdowns, patting the stats. It was, it was very much a Trevor Lawrence game. It was good, good to see that he's all the way back. My uh, my brother, avid listener of the pod, mm. did uh, overs on Trayvon and Josh Allen sacks. At They was both at half a sack, and they both got half a sack. <laughs> oh I actually, for Big Cat, I wrote over 0.25, over a quarter sack for Josh Allen was one of my prop bets on Big Cat. That was a prop? Yeah, dude, you can get, like, quarter sacks are, like, very common because of the half sack thing. Yeah, like, yeah, that makes sense. But, like, they had – Because was, Josh Allen got a half sack, so he hit the over. So, I, I got mine, but your brother didn't. So, sorry, John's why, brother. Why did they only have Allen on a quarter sack? That's wild. Like, that's what I'm more surprised about. Oh, like, instead of a half sack? Yeah. No, like, instead of anything, like, even, like, more. Like, I feel like he was a pretty safe money to at least breathe on Will Levis yesterday. Crazy. Crazy. I, guess, he- I don't know. I, like, that's what I thought, too, because, like, the t- Titans were missing both of their top two tackles with Dillard and Petit, whatever his name is, out. Um, I, I, so I don't think – I can't explain that. Maybe it was like juiced odds. Maybe it was like yeah. he, a quarter sack, but then like he didn't get good odds with it or something. I, I don't think the Jags pressure numbers are going to look good this week. Like I saw what Next Gen had them for, and nobody was overly impressive. But I think that's because of what the Titans did on offense, like just not a lot of dropbacks and stuff. So it probably had like something to do with it. Like if the Titans drop back, like actual dropbacks instead of just screens, like 25, 30 times, Allen probably would have had like two and a half sacks or something like that. That's a good point. Yeah. I feel like I remember like four normal dropbacks for Levis. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. All right. Defensive player of the game. Let's hear it. Boye Aluakon. He yes, got sir. a half sack of his own. He got the fumble recovery. He got a couple of tackles. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel like I outlined it with my hot take, but he, he had probably the best game. I mean, he's game my game boss, so I think, yeah, he had the best game of any Jags defender. I got one for you. Okay. It's first ever Jaguar Report podcast game ball. The Aussie, Adam Gotsis. Oh, Adam Gotsis. I felt like he was super disruptive yesterday, dude. <laughs> it's the run and pass. Like, he – it feels like he's been on their team forever now. <laughs> he's like played the same role over and over again. And dude is just super like consistent. Like 
he's normally like a really consistent defensive lineman in terms of not giving up ground, maybe not a ton of penetration. But yesterday, I thought super disruptive in the backfield ton. Uh, helped Caleb on chase on get a penalty by <laughs> combining their weight on Will Levis because I refuse that a ref is throwing a flag on chase on for having his full body weight on the quarterback. I, I refuse to believe that's the guy you're calling that flag on. And I, I feel bad for I, I was like, I felt bad for chase on like he really got jobbed of that one, you know, of, yeah, you know, a big play. He wasn't blocked at all in the play, but none, <laughs> nonetheless, so yeah, he, yeah. he did get. Got a little the, bit. The Aussie gets my game ball. If there's one player who's fast, flashy, it's Adam Gossas. Because I agree with you where he, like he he's consistent and doesn't really give up a lot of ground. But like I feel like like once every three weeks, going back to like 2021 or 2020, like he'll have like some sick tackle for loss and like just like an awesome highlight play. That's like no one really notices it because it's like it's Adam Gossas and he does it like once every couple of weeks and he's not a starter. Uh, so I don't know if you like do you know. How many snaps he played yesterday? Um, let me see if the game like whether he started or like just what his role was with Ham out. Let me see what the game book says. Because it probably shouldn't have changed that much. Because like I said, like at this point, Ham and Angelo Blackson are kind of like similar roles. You you ideally want to say that about a guy you just gave the extension to. That's that's good stuff. Um Gossip's played forty eight percent. He he played forty eight percent of the snaps. Forty eight. Dude, like, uh, Fada Kasi only played thirty two. I feel like that's like, average. Uh, that's weird. The the Titans only had forty plays ran. <laughs> the Titans. Forty plays. So yeah, like I I like I'm looking at the game book and it says Fadakasi played 13 snaps. So I see that first. And I'm like, what the hell? And then I see that the Titans just literally were not on the field. So mm-hmm. he did outsnap Fadakasi though, which I don't know, maybe it was going with the hot hand kind of thing. But yeah, I don't know. Fadakasi also got outsnapped by it was either Blackson or Ledbetter a few weeks ago. And it's weird. I feel like he's playing good, you know, it's just they're not they like him. They're just not like liking him. You know, <laughs> that's what his role seems like. They're not in like with them. All right, who's your special teams game ball? You know who it is. McManus? Bro, the long snapper. Oh, forcing, yeah. That's sick. That forcing was- a fumble. We're covering a fumble and then dancing in the end zone. Like, just completely dancing on the grave of the Titans. That I... I, I've never seen a long snapper both force and recover. I feel like I've seen one force a fumble before, but not do both. Like they literally have said before, like he's like a linebacker on coverage teams. Like he's shown it like before, like over the last couple of years. Like he makes a ton of tackles on special teams because dude, I think he even hurt himself in a preseason game <laughs> like doing it once. But he he's oh, best. Oh, here we go. Most valuable long snapper in the league. There, I, I, I said it, and I I would love for you to try to. Yeah, debate that because I'll, I'll, I'll debate you in circles, buddy. <laughs> you love Trent Balky. Trent Balky found the most valuable long snapper for pennies on the dollar. The rest what? of the league got Balky balled. Everybody else is out here not focusing on special teams, and he's getting a he's getting a middle linebacker to throw that ball back twenty yards. That is a masterclass right there. <laughs> There's always a Balky ball to be had, isn't there? There's always a okay. Here's another bulky ball. Brendan Strange has as many. Oh wait, I already said this last week. He has as many touchdowns as Strange on first. <laughs> <laughs> I already said that last week. Ah, <laughs> uh, still true. Um, dang, how many? Okay, uh, Andre Cisco had more sacks than Arden Key. Is that a bulky ball? Uh, Cisco was like already on the team. Yeah, that, that one wasn't your best work. No. Like another free agent or something. It, but. It, it, okay, let's see. Okay. okay. All right, well, I'll let you cook something up. I'll say my special team's scheme ball goes to Parker Washington for stepping in for Jamal. No, I'm just kidding. Did you see him run away from that one? Like, yeah. one? <laughs> it's like their game plan was literally, do not return a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't touch don't. it. Don't. <laughs> Whatever you think you're out there for, you're not. Yeah. Uh, okay. so, you know, I, 
I'll go with you. I'm, I'll go with Ross for my game ball too. Hey, hey, have you ever seen the Johnny Cash movie Walk the Line? No. There's a scene in it where they're like riding in a car with Jerry Lee Lewis. So you don't know who Jerry Lee Lewis is, do you? It rings a bell. Okay. Yeah, they're they're in a car with Jerry Lee Lewis, and he's talking about like the apple where like. Uh, Adam and Eve and he was like God gave us a big old apple and he said don't touch it don't think about touching it don't talk about touching it don't sing about touching it don't even touch it that was Parker Washington with Punch yesterday hey don't don't even think about returning a punt <laughs> it, like watching him run as fast as he could away from every punt killed me <laughs> one of my favorite things I've seen oh that's honestly like to make it like a real discussion the Jamal Agnew's injury is not a small deal because I'm sure everyone's relieved to not really see him on offense anymore. But, like, like, he was, like, one of the best, like, he's been one of the best returners in the league since he signed with the Jags. And so, like, those, like it, How many games have there been where, like, a return from him has sparked, like, you know, like, like a win? or Like, even this year, like, the Saints game that, you know, like, he helped set up Kirk's touchdown. I feel like there's another game that I'm forgetting from – from this year, I I, don't know, I feel like there's been like at least like four to five games where he's had a big return to like shift momentum or get them in like winning like score like so yeah. I'm with, like it's weird like on one hand not having him means they can't put him on offense for the number of issues that plague them when that happens but on the other hand probably one of the two or three best returners in the league so it's that's a tough one yeah I think the Jags. I think there were like six in special teams DVOA going into last week. I can find it in about two seconds. Another definitely top ten. Do, 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 do. The Jags ranked six. No, first in special teams DVOA going into the Titans game. They were first in special teams DVOA. And so Ross's fumble recovery will probably help that out, even though tank soft sides. We'll kind of negate it, but yeah, having Jamal out for a couple of weeks is definitely not not poor, not poor Tank man, poor Tank. I, I felt bad when 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 I heard like the like stat people are behind us during the game. They're like, yeah. it was poor who was offsides. My heart just sank for the kid. I was like, man, that's terrible. I also so sitting near them now, it, you see how the sausage is made with some stats and. I don't know, man. Some guys are getting stats some kind of, kind of cooked in the NFL. This is how we're going by it. Like, there was on Ingham's drop, the guy was like, I want to give them a pass deflection. He didn't touch the ball, but he impeded the receiver. And I'm not head. I'm like, that is not at all how this works, dude. <laughs> like, people get paid based off these stats. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> that's actually terrible. I Like, that sucks to hear. And that's what's worse, that or the report of that one lady saying she made up the sideline reports. Don't get me started on that one. Uh, that, that really sucks to hear, though. Just because I um, used to work at SIS, and so like my job was literally to chart football games for a few months. So I'm, I'm making sure they didn't actually give him the uh, <laughs> deflection. NFL people, National Football League people, or Jags. Did- no, these are the people that like the NFL like stats people like that, mm-hmm. like on NFL like like the play by play like updating it. That these were them. They they didn't give it to him. He got he got talked down from the ledge. But I heard that me and like Demetrius and Justin Lewis were all at the same time. Like the hell did he just say? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they've got they've got to have some kind of like I forget the right word for it, but like editing process basically, or someone will double check the word. Oh no, bro! I've sat there for two or three games now. It's kind of the Wild West. <laughs> they're, they're just yelling crap out, man. But do you think it's like uh, hard because of like how fast it's going, or it's just? It, it probably is, but there's there's also like eight of them. Uh, they they do a little roll call before the game. They're like, Brad here. Tom here. It's it's it's, no, it's, 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 it's is, it same, is it the same crew every time? It sure sounds like it. Yeah. So yeah. those are the guys that were like spot the people too that I hear from the other side of the press box where they're like eighty four on the tackle. That's that right. Fifty nine on the tackle. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they said Zay Jones caught a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, on Ridley's second touchdown, the guy in the press box said, Zay Jones, touchdown. I'm like, no, it was not. 
That's yeah. Press yeah. Taylor's new Press Taylor's new wrinkle. He's gonna have Zay and Calvin switch jerseys. <laughs> well, Gus, you got anything else for us? I know we got a boogie here in a bit. Nothing. No. Okay. My I'm parting. good. Looking forward to I guess Friday will be in the air just because that's the day after Thanksgiving. Anyway, what's your parting parting take? That's true. Happy Thanksgiving. My parting take and hot oh. shot is that. I would take the third drafted quarterback in next year's draft over Will Levis. I don't know who it's going to be, but Will Levis stinks right now. So that's my I'll take. Over Will Levis for the rest of this season. There you go. I, Will Levis or Bryce Young, if you had to win a game tomorrow. Will Levis. I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Poor kids. Poor kids. All right. Well. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back on Friday to preview the, you know, probably the AFC South Championship. You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, like I'm, I, I'm like getting like amped up like to cover that game already, and like I'm not even like a part of it. So I imagine how they're gonna feel, you know. So yeah, we'll be back on Friday. John Shipley, my co-host Gus Logue. Thank you guys for joining us as always, and we will return. <laughs>